This is Sandy Laycox of Leaders Edge Magazine, the award-winning publication of the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm here with Tom Kellerman, CEO of Strategic Cyber Ventures. Tom is an author, professor, and leader in the field of cybersecurity. During this conversation, Tom will discuss the most pressing issues in cybersecurity right now, the role insurance brokers can play in combating cyber attacks, and he'll leave us with some tips for cyber safety. What would you say is the most pressing issue that big companies and clients of our brokers would face right now in cyber? The greatest issue is the belief in the mythology that if you are hacked, you only be hacked once by one hacker to steal one thing. And the reality is that organizations, networks, and their supply chains have been colonized by a myriad of different hacker groups who, even if they don't have a utility in that footprint on your system, will sell that backdoor or that own system to someone who does. What has become even more problematic is that the environment has become more hostile, that more and more hackers are becoming punitive in their attacks and leveraging things like ransomware or wiper malware, like what we saw in the Sony case, uh, into systems to destroy any sort of forensics related to their presence and or to act out in an activist fashion against the organization or members of their supply chain. How much does it cost to recover from a cyber attack? Recovering from a cyber attack is essentially multidimensional. If it's just getting your data back up and your systems back up and running, that's one thing. Usually that costs hundreds of thousands. But if it's to eradicate the footprint or the backdoor of of an adversary or a cyber criminal from your systems and to prevent any damage in the future from occurring by this adversary or from the group that has targeted you in the first place, that is normally in the millions of dollars. Where does or should or could cyber insurance come into play here? Risk transfer is fundamental for organizations who have assessed the risk properly based on their footprint, both the digital footprint and their brand's footprint, as well as they've managed their cybersecurity with a true governance perspective in that they have hired a leader of cybersecurity who does not report to their CIO, who has a separate budget, who has a forward-leaning perspective on how to best deceive, divert, and contain an adversary once they bypass their firewalls and encryption, which they will. Why is it important that they not report to the CIO? It's important that they not report to the CIO because that's much like your defensive coordinator reporting to your offensive coordinator. CIOs are concerned primarily with access, resiliency, and efficiencies, all of which create greater exposures or a greater attack surface for an adversary. A CISO will advocate, maybe we should test that mobile app before we go live to production for vulnerabilities. Maybe instead of leveraging that blog to our website, we should ascertain whether WordPress was updated. Maybe instead of giving privileged access to all the senior leaders because they complain about not being able to be an administrator on the machine, we toggle it down to prevent any sort of widespread compromise or contagion when they get hunted and hacked in cyberspace. Ransomware. Can you talk a little bit about this threat and the fact that the FBI is, you know, recommending that you never pay the ransom and kind of get into that a little bit? Sure. Ransomware really highlights and ushers in a new era of cyber attack history in that it is essentially cyber weaponry for the layperson. Uh, Most of the people who are leveraging ransomware attacks are Uh, neophytes, not truly sophisticated individuals who are understanding that there's a tremendous reward associated with cybercrime. As illustrated by the decline in street crime by Interpol statistics last year, more and more criminals are migrating online 
And they're using these capabilities like ransomware or leasing these capabilities like ransomware to monetize uh, digital criminality. When it comes to defending against ransomware, essentially it's threefold. One, you should have cybersecurity capabilities on all of your devices that could possibly defend against it. Uh, two, you should never allow for users to be using anything other than Mozilla browsers when they visit links or websites. And three, you need to be assured that they have a regular backup or updating program for their devices. In that, um, they can ensure they can recover from such an incident. But most importantly, there are free capabilities that are available on some websites that can stop all ransomware. Uh, there's a great capability that's widely available on trapx.com's website that can allow you to freely deploy capabilities to all your endpoints that would prevent them from being encrypted and extorted. Let's talk a bit, a bit about the um, data breach reporting laws. So there are currently 47 different state level um, reporting laws plus additional in DC. The council supports a federal standard for data breach reporting. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Amen. Uh, but even those laws are, are flawed, uh, and even the federal law would be flawed because it only advocates reporting if the data is not encrypted. Data can be stolen when it's encrypted and de decrypted by the criminals. We need to remember that yes, we need a federal standard. Yes, we need a federal law but it should not be technologically specific like encryption will give you safe harbor. Um, the truth of the matter is when hackers hack systems, they steal the keys to unlock the encryption. That's the first thing they do. So even if the data was encrypted, it's still being unlocked. Now, whether or not you are not gonna be liable for losses because the data was encrypted and it showed that you had thoughtfulness and that you were prepared and, and, your, and your tackling of this traumatic operational reputational risk issue, I would advocate that you have to go way above and beyond encryption in today's world to defend against the adversaries in cyber. So what, what else can we do? I think the, the biggest challenge in cybersecurity is the fact that people don't know how to assess the risk in it. Uh, they don't understand how to actually manage this from a governance perspective. I firmly believe that most organizations should have a chief information security officer, one that has separate budget one that can stop projects or business lines from adopting a new form of technology without a thorough assessment of the risk and reward equation of deploying that technology. I think that we need to move away from passwords to multi-factor and two-factor authentication and adaptive authentication in general. I think it's imperative that people begin to re-architect cybersecurity from the inside out in that the answer to the cybersecurity problem is decreasing the amount of time that someone can freely roam your network and set up back doors and put in malware. And so to achieve that, it really behooves us to begin to consider how we can be attacked in the first place, which is why I advocate penetration testing or ethical hacking of your systems from the outside in and the inside out to serve as your roadmap uh, for tactical wins in cybersecurity. And then lastly, there's a lot of great next generation technologies that could be deployed to inhibit the capacity of someone to move freely through your digital house deception technologies, user behavior analytics, to name a few, um, coupled with things like memory augmentation that would allow you to become aware of when someone is trying to manipulate the integrity of a data within your enterprise. So can you talk a little bit about how brokers uh, could sort of look at their clients and assess you know, what they might be vulnerable for and how they can then better educate their clients and then also how brokers can start thinking about cyber insurance products and, and what they need to think about about risk. So industry is very 
very specific to that in terms of how you identify risk is, is specific to what they're trying to sell or provide as a service. Uh, manufacturing is the most vulnerable, followed by energy, followed by healthcare. When you move down the lane, financial sector is usually more secure. The problem is, uh, in many cases, uh, they are vulnerable because of the fact that they're highly uh, dependent upon uh, encryption and firewalls to, pre to prevent attack, which are uh, quasi-effective in today's environment. I think that brokers need to become trusted advisors uh, to their constituencies. Brokers should visit one website in particular every day to stay up and ahead of the curve on events in cyber, and that is darkreading.com. Um, I also would advocate that they refer to something that was created by uh, the NSA and then the law enforcement community vis-a-vis -vis how to manage uh, the kill chains or attack patterns of the adversaries on an annual basis through what's called the consensus audit guidelines or the critical security controls. They, those are both the same name for the same product. And essentially these are 20 recommendations made to any organization that wants to be proactive uh, in their attempts to, to defeat cyber attacks and to transfer that risk. Lastly, I think there's some best practices that could be espoused throughout an organization in that your chief marketing officer in many cases is actually empowering much of the attack vulnerability to an organization because of the fact that they typically manage the website, the mobile app, and the email campaigns that go out to your constituency. You need to wrap your head around the fact that when a hacker hunts your organization, not only do they want to steal some piece of data or access to a system, but they then want to use your brand against its constituency, whether they turn your website into something that attacks its visitors, called a watering hole attack, or whether they use business email compromise or back attacks against your constituency from your own mail servers. This is happening more and more, and it's, it's the repeat monetization of a footprint. And that is something that we need to challenge ourselves to deal with. It is essential uh, that the incident response plans of organizations not only exist, but be modernized to tackle the inevitable phenomenon of watering holes, of business email compromise, and of the inevitable attack through the cloud infrastructure deployment that most organizations are embracing. How do you think the insurance industry is doing in terms of, and, and I don't know if you, if you have any involvement or thinking about this area, but in terms of the products that they sell for cyber insurance? I understand the logic of not covering first party risk. Explain that a little bit. No one wants to create the calculus for what the value of the intellectual property was when it was stolen and attempt to then transfer that risk onto the insurer. It'd be dramatic. No one wants to pay for the financial fraud that occurs subsequent to a hack occurring. Uh, it would be too arduous. Um, the risk would be too much. I respect that. I understand this is a business. And I think the true success in the cybersecurity cover space will be based on proper risk assessment and proper risk management. Being able to identify what proper risk assessment and risk management look like beyond just being compliant with standards that are outdated and ineffectual against the threat, it should be the priority. That being said, I would love to see some facet of modernization vis-a-vis DNO insurance to allow for cyber cover. Uh, because if that were to occur, from a governance perspective, it would force cultural change throughout most organizations to improve the prioritization of cybersecurity professionals and the capacity to protect the brand in 2018. And aren't most boards, or at least some boards now, being held responsible in certain cyber, like in the target breach? There are a lot of shareholder lawsuits that have been leveraged. Most of the time, the, the impact, the reputational risk, and the brand damage was temporary vis-a-vis -vis the value of the stock. 
But that being said, there's some CEOs and CIOs who have lost their jobs. Those sacrificial lambs are, are essentially, you know, signposts in the wild. But I would recommend that as boards are struggling to gain greater market share for their corporation in the future, they need to pay close attention to the fact that the world's commercial customers and business partners are going to be very selective moving forward vis-a-vis -vis their digital safety and digital experience. And the easiest way to lose a wide swath of your customer base will be to be negligent and to espouse the knowledge of carnal plausible deniability per a cyber event. And I think the days of plausible deniability uh, are over and that digital safety and soundness of your customers and business partners should be the quintessential cornerstone of operating in the world if you want to maintain comparative advantage and market share. So I think that shift's coming. I think that shift will probably occur this year. Uh, given the dramatic increase of hostility in the wild, more and more nation states leveraging attacks against U.S. corporations and U.S. citizens, more and more criminals moving into the space, and then more and more individual Americans who are disillusioned with institutions and major corporations that are now downloading capabilities that they did not exist before to leverage their own uh, activist campaigns against corporations and Americans. So you're saying that the, the, there are attacks coming from just lone people in America on U.S. corporations? Yeah, there's plenty of activists and people who are disillusioned with a corporate ideology, agenda, corporate citizenry, um, relationships between corporations and, and the nation states of the world. More and more, I mean, I live in D.C. I see so many protesters every weekend who all have viable uh, issues that need representation. Not all these people walk the streets and advocate. Many people are ad advocating through cyber events. And I think... Uh, gone are the days where you could assume that this wasn't going to happen for you because of the reality of the interconnected nature of, of supply chains. And gone are the days for us to look at cybersecurity as an expense rather than a functionality of doing business. For the brokers of the world that want to take advantage of this lucrative market space, it's all about them becoming the trusted advisors. It's all about them being able to assess the risk and, and provide constructive, proactive guidance vis-a-vis -vis risk management to their constituency. Um, I think those are the brokers that will truly you know, earn the gold in this space. Is there anything sort of globally that you think that our audience should know that I'm not addressing here? Uh, yeah, there's there's three uh, phenomenon, two state actors and one non-state actor that we should be very concerned about. Um, the rhetoric against China of late is going to manifest a cyber reaction against major U.S. corporations and the information supply chain of U.S. corporations in the future. That being said, you're also going to see more nationalistic cyber hacking emanating from the Chinese soil, not just the nation state itself. That is compounded by the reality of the president's rhetoric towards Iran and the fact that Iran has a very capable cyber force that will begin to target major U.S. corporations and U.S. individuals because of what they view as anti-Iranian uh, rhetoric. Uh, and then finally, we can't forget about the Russians. Um, the Russians have colonized wide swaths of the U.S. infrastructure. Uh, Operation Pawn Storm, everyone can look it up, Pawn Storm. Google that, you'll see that uh, for years now they've been doing just that, and it's inevitable that if economic sanctions are not removed from them, that they could precipitate a reaction through cyberspace against the U.S. Not necessarily the regime, but more importantly, the cyber criminal community who are beholden to the regime, who act as cyber militias when called upon, as evidenced by historical fact. I am also concerned that AQAP, Al-Qaeda of the Arabian Peninsula, uh, will become much more active in cyber attacks that could 
leverage kinetic results inside America this coming year. They've shown a propensity to learn more and more uh, about technology and the applicability of technology. And the failed raid to to uh, essentially assassinate and or incarcerate their leader uh, will be met by a response. Um, and we're going to see exactly what that shape that takes soon. Can you also explain the connection of the personal that you explained to me earlier, how an individual can become a problem for a corporation in terms of hacking? So for those of you who are half listening to this and checking your text messages, I would say the following. You don't believe what I'm saying because you don't feel like anyone would want to hack you. That's untrue. Number one, hackers want to colonize and own systems. It's a giant land grab, especially for U.S. infrastructure. If you are significant at what you do or who you socialize with, you're within one or two degrees of separation from other people that are more powerful than you, and thus they might be the targets for the attack. The attack itself will probably leverage an attack on you to get to them. And that type of personal island hopping is becoming more and more prolific because of the nature in which on social media, you've disclosed to the world who the people are that you communicate with and who the people are of the world that trust you, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, it doesn't matter. Uh, the point being here is that if you have powerful friends, if you have powerful business relationships, and if you're proud of those, those are the people that you inevitably could end up compromising the security of their digital homes because of the fact that you weren't paying attention to the recommendations I'm going to give you now. So the recommendations I give you now are the following. Every Tuesday night, update your machines, all of your machines, and update all of the applications that you use on your machines, especially things like Adobe. Two, deploy cybersecurity capabilities on all of your machines, including your Apple devices, including your mobile devices, including your TVs and next-gen capabilities, and run scans. And if you find something evil on your machine, make sure you change all your passwords immediately because the first thing that malware or that virus did was it stole your keys to your house. In addition, don't use public Wi-Fi ever unless you're using a hotspot off your phone. Try to use a VPN if you're doing anything sensitive that includes banking or shopping. Don't use your credit card online. I mean, don't use your debit card online. Choose one credit card to shop online with. Don't leave Bluetooth or Wi-Fi on on your device because your phone is acting what's called promiscuous fashion, which allows for it just to reach out to the strongest signal, which would allow someone of sophisticated nature to jump into your device. And this happens very commonly at train stations, airports, and hotels. Use Mozilla uh, as your browser. Mozilla is much more secure. It's like a bulletproof suburban with a bit of a bodyguard in it um, compared to the Microsoft Explorer or Safaris, which are much like motorcycles without bodyguards. And then lastly, I would highly recommend that you create two accounts on each machine, one that's a system administrator and one that's a regular user without privileges. Use the system administrator account when you update the machine and when you run security scans and when you have to download the latest program or application you really want to use, but infrequently at that. Otherwise, use the other account. It will insulate you dramatically from the attacks that exist in the wild. And the last one, which may inhibit you for two seconds of your life every time it occurs, if there's an email requesting any sort of information or any, any action by you that could put yourself at risk or data at risk, don't just click on the link. Cut and paste that link into the browser and make sure it looks the same um, because more than likely it could be an attack that's called a spearfish on you. Thanks, Tom. What a great discussion. And thanks to all our listeners. Please join us again soon. 